All right, everyone. We are here live on the Painless Wholesaling Podcast. I got my guest, Axel. Uh, Axel, how do you say that last name of yours? Mont Saint Jean. It's uh, it's French. I'm in Quebec, Canada. Wow, I like that. That that's nice. Well, hey everybody, if this is your first time tuning into the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, what our goal and what we do is we get real estate investors on this podcast and we try to learn from their experiences so we can make getting into wholesaling, getting into real estate less painful than it is. Because if you're brand new, you're going to go through some ups and downs. It's inevitable, but our goal is to help you get through it. So we have Axel. He's going to kind of tell us about what he does as a real estate investor and let's see what we can learn from him. So let's dive right in. Axel, kind of tell the audience, tell us if we don't know who, if they don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the, the show, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so my, my name is Excel. I live in, uh, in Quebec, uh, Canada, uh, in the city of Montreal. We have a harsh winter and a great summer. And after years in the corporate world, I discovered that I actually really liked real estate. And it's something that I can, I could understood, uh, that I can understand, sorry, mm -hmm. that I could more or less control, that I could force appreciation. There was a number of benefits and I could be my own boss. So after years in the corporate world, actually, when I our, our son was born. We now have two. He's uh, the oldest is six years old. I resigned. I resigned. And then wow. um, I did about I still did a year of consulting, but at least it was on smaller companies. It was more flexible and then went all out in real estate. And uh, we I have a partner, my mm -hmm. wife. We invest mm -hmm. together and we've started with just like buying a condo and then uh, buying some multifamily. And now we're continuing to buy some multifamily. And now we're also doing some uh, construction projects where uh, it's redevelopment or it's new construction. And uh, we really like that process. So, you know, to, to go back to your question, there's a lot to unpack. And of course, I have. I haven't wholesale. Well, I've tried to wholesale and I know it's possible and I want to because I see so many deals where I could just package them and then try to go and go get a fee. Is just mm -hmm. in the end, I haven't put my energy towards that. Hey, man, it's no problem. That's why I got I got your back on that. If you ever need help, I'll kind of point you in the right direction for that. But what you're doing is cool. So was it scary to kind of drop uh, the job that you had and go fully into real estate or did tell yeah. me about that? Well, it was really scary because it's you realize once you resign, how much comfort you have in getting a paycheck every month. And, you know, the, the, the quote that says that the, the, that money, that paycheck is the drug they give you to make you forget your dreams is absolutely true. They drug you every two weeks, basically. Um, and it was a big change. But we, we found an agreement with my wife where she would stay in employment. I would go full time into real estate because at the beginning, I wouldn't really make anything. And uh, so we lived on her salary. And I like to say that she earned money and I spent it. It was a little mm. bit more complicated than that. But uh, that, that's what allowed us to still live. And by then we had a newborn and, and everything. So it took a little bit of time. But by the time we really finished our first multifamily uh, optimization, which is essentially a burr and you refinance mm -hmm. and you get that money tax free, all of a sudden you're like, damn, that was worth it. Yeah, for sure. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's amazing. So that I kind of had the same experience. My wife, when I got into wholesaling, I went all in and she has uh, had a job. So we were able to live off of what she makes and she still works because, you know, she enjoys it. We don't have any kids yet. Uh, we have one on the way. So that's Ooh, exciting. congratulations. Yeah, man. I'm excited about that. The first it'll be the first one. So um, life change. That's that's what I've heard. I heard it's, uh, you know, you can't be too you can't really prepare too much. Right. <laughs> no. You can try. It's beautiful well, moments, though. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. So that's uh, that's that I had that kind of experience that you've had. So that's awesome. 
And tell me a little bit about um, Canada, because are you only investing in Canada? Or are you doing the United States as well? No. So for now, we only invest in Canada, only in Quebec. And okay. um, there's actually I have more and more you know real estate investor friends that are now turning towards the U.S. market mm -hmm. because surprisingly, it's actually a lot more accessible um, in terms of uh, price, price per door and cash flow and everything like really? Canada, the, the real estate is expensive. And so there's kind of two ways to see this. We've always kind of picked this as the, as an equity game. Obviously mm. we make it a little bit of cash flow, but you know, yeah, it's expensive, but then you just make bigger deals. So that's, yes. we're okay with that. And I'd like to start diversifying and I'm actually quite interested in the, the U S market. Uh, but I need to put a, a little bit more energy into, doing it with a partner because I I have quite a bit going on here. So when mm -hmm. I'm ready, um, I'll make that jump. But for now, no, we really have just stuck to around the Montreal region. Like all of our properties are within a 50 kilometer radius. Oh, wow. Okay. And do you manage them yourself or do you hire a property management company? No. So now we've, we used to do everything ourselves. Now we have a property management company just because it's time consuming. There's very little value to be added in mm -hmm. that sense. And Quebec is quite known for its strict laws and being very pro-tenant. You know, at some point you need to draw the line because we, we make money and we create value by finding, packaging and acquiring new deals, not by managing the current ones. Of course. So curious, uh, you said that real estate is pretty expensive out there. Uh, where I live is, I feel like it's pretty expensive, but wh what are the prices look like on that you can kind of let us know? I know it's, there's a huge wide range, but like, what does a multifamily eight plex go for? Or what does single family homes go for in that area? So I can, everyone here knows kind of what, what's going on out there. That's a really good question, man. So it, it really depends, obviously, neighborhood, city and stuff like that. Like of course, an, of course. an eight unit at this point is about like 2 million. Okay. Two, two and a half. Pretty um, similar to what we, where we're at in Utah. Okay. Okay, in Utah, yeah, I, I know, I, I just, just, you know, sometimes hear numbers of like in Ohio right. or stuff like that, yeah, and yeah. it's like people are buying for like fifty-five k a door, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Here. So in Utah, California, the West Coast of the United States, it's more expensive. I think mm -hmm. it's uh, just maybe a, I don't know why the real estate. Maybe more people want to live here. I don't know, but yep. uh, Midwest very cheap. And then if you get to the South, it can get cheap, uh, mm -hmm. but it really depends. New York actually gets more expensive in the, in the North. So, but yeah, we're, we're similar to, to that. So 2 million, what is that a door? Is that like 150,000 a door almost? For an eight plague, that's two, 250 a door. Two, 250 a door. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, mm -hmm. so it makes it hard to cash flow because I'm assuming on those doors, do you know, like average, like what those, uh, a door can rent out for? Like in an aplex? Yeah. So same thing. It depends on the neighborhood. Like really mm -hmm. market right now for, let's say, a two bedroom would be like 15, 1700. And it depends what yeah. kind of services you also you also include. So I don't know if it's common in the US, but now here in, in Quebec, it's pretty much standard, at least for educated investors to also provide Wi-Fi. Um, mm, and so we have yeah. some companies that specialize in that kind of installation. We've done it in, in some of our buildings where now Wi-Fi is comes with with the rent it just allows us to go charge another 50 or 75 bucks a month gotcha. per unit and, and it costs me in total 150 bucks for the building so when you do the math all of a sudden you're asking you're adding like 200k of value with a three thousand dollar setup expense wow that's very interesting now i don't think mm -hmm. they do that here but that is a great idea to increase it by 50 75 and then just provide it for the whole aplex fourplex yeah. i don't know what it would look like for like giant multi-units like uh, oh know, they do it they do it for like 30 30 40 unit buildings now and even for wow. new builds it's it's built in i mean and here there's a company that's quite striving it's called wi-fi plex and what they do it's two guys actually that that i know that are real estate investors and they 
they wanted to do it in one of their properties. And they're like, how come no one is doing this? And when you do the math, like you get a provider, I guess in the US, it would be an AT&T or T-Mobile or whoever provides yeah. you the cable, the cable, the coax, you know, the internet. <laughs> and then you put a you put a switch, you put a router, you split that connection into eight, and then you supply it. So in Canada, so we're not allowed to resell the connection. We can right. only provide it as a service. That's why for us, it's included in the rent is, is that Which the is rent smart. Is, is, is higher because otherwise you have to be a licensed distributor of telecommunication services, which none of us are because that's not what mm -hmm. we do. So anyway, mm -hmm. so yeah, but, but you know, when, when you do, you know, the math about a multifamily and you charge, let's say just an extra 50 bucks a month per unit, you, all, all of a sudden, again, like you're adding 200K of value to your building. Do they get to choose if they want to opt into that and pay the extra 50 or is it just everybody has to pay 50 because of the Wi-Fi that's included? So we, at least what, what we do is mm. that it's included and if they don't want to use it, they don't want to use it. The Got only it. Okay. time where it's been a bit iffy is that we had acquired a building and we were installing it while we had current tenants. So for them, it was mm. a little bit more of a choice out of the, out of those five tenants, four of them took it. And in the fifth unit, we just said, look, we're just going to install it. You don't have it. And he's a bit of an older gentleman. He does right. not have internet in his apartment, which I still find <laughs> crazy nowadays. He's like, oh, right. I have internet at work. I don't need it. So it wasn't that big of a difference. Great idea. I think that's something that people, uh, I, I was not aware of that they were doing that, but I think that's that's a solid idea to, to increase uh, the value of your property mm -hmm. just by offering that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Cool. So are there any other tricks that you guys got up there uh, that you're doing that are increasing rents? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We have to be creative because here we have a big strong rental um, rental board called the uh, tal administrative administrative court of housing basically mm -hmm. and uh, we do rent increases they have to be legal there's forms to use and, and all that and um, as an investor as a landlord I actually do feel a huge I was going to say human responsibility towards people like we provide housing which is of a course. basic need it's it's very important and I've always said that we always, um, treat all of our tenants like they were our grandmother um, because I wouldn't want to do anything that, you know, bad and I was going to say have it on my conscience. Like after of that, course. people can interpret that the way they want. So what other tricks do we have? I mean, we, we, we all know like in multifamily, the, the value of the property is directly based on its net operating income. And so anything that you can do to raise operating income. So obviously minimize your expenses and then increase your, your revenue. So something that's also quite common here is to add sheds. You know, some people go into storage uh, yeah. and they only invest in storage, but then you can go to Home Depot and go buy <laughs> one of those plastic sheds for, you know, seven by seven uh, feet. And then you, you know, you build this for 150 bucks, no, a thousand bucks. And then you rent it for $75 a month. All of a sudden, same thing. You've added almost tens of thousands of dollars of value to your property. You put four of them in the back. It's like you've added a whole new unit to your apartment building. Do you have to get permitting for any of that or is it not? No, no because it's like a it, shed. It, or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's a temporary structure. And, you know, we just do it on a on a, on a wood base and sometimes not even sometimes like the kits that you can buy, they come in their full yeah. um, independent, sustainable. And again, you can get one at, at, at Home Depot for, for a thousand bucks. So depending on the size you want to go, people look at, you know, 
I don't know how it is in the U.S., but in Canada, you can do billboards. You have to have some air rights so that you mm. have to have if you're on a busy intersection and you have like a wall with no windows, you can go and put a giant billboard and then you rent that to a media company um, to to create uh, extra revenue. But that's here is more regulated. You need to have, again, air rights. Um, and then that's something else that I've never done is for bigger buildings is uh, cell phone towers. Same thing, like you you approach them or they approach you if you have a good location. So usually it's like you have to be in height. There has to be a view as in it has to be, you know, open. And mm-hmm. so it makes sense for the telecom networks um, and stuff like that. I've, I've never done it. It's a little bit more rare, but I know that some buildings quite benefit from that. Um, otherwise, after that increasing revenue, same thing. Like, can you do some yeah. short-term rental? And then in the short-term rental, same thing. It's fairly regulated here in, in bigger cities. But if you do short-term rental, okay, so in the short-term rental, like, you know, there's the Airbnb people think about like for three days. But if you're willing yeah. to do just 30, 32 days plus, at least here, yeah. it comes to a, it's a whole new regulation. So you can do less than a year, but more than 32 days. So like the sweet spot is like three months, four months, five months. Yeah. Um, you, you can charge a, more for sure. You can charge more. And we provide it with fully furnished, all the utilities, like, you know, electricity is included, heating, obviously, high speed internet. It's it's like walking into an Airbnb, you know, and we charge we definitely charge a premium for that. Of so course. that's but you have a little bit more turnover, you have a little bit more vacancy and all that. So you got to really see cool. what kind of investor you are. Yeah. So let me ask you about these. Sound like you got some great exit strategies, some great strategies that you use once you've acquired the properties. How are you acquiring most of your properties? Is it through wholesalers in Canada or people that are finding deals? Is it the MLS? Is it a different site? How are you acquiring most of your your deals? So that's a good. I've realized that over time, we actually bought both on market and off market. I've gotten one from a bird dog, one or two. Yeah, one from a bird dog. No, I yeah, I I bought uh, I bought from a wholesaler actually. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's been a little bit of both, but with we've actually gotten quite good with uh, with, with my wife at doing our own prospecting and okay. getting to know a neighborhood that we target and then talking to people and then quickly be able to you know the back of back of the envelope analysis to see if quickly a deal makes sense i mean we're working on a deal now where we're adding two floors on a on a on a building that my wife found mm-hmm. while she was on a stroller walk and there was wow. there was a, a paper from the city on the door and we always go read those official notices because you always find out stuff and this one had been vacated by the city because it was uh, insalubrité like in it was so dirty unmaintained the place really? was ha- wow. hazard hazardous so like right away we contacted the owner older lady and starting to have some mental issues the property mm-hmm. was administered by her sis her younger sister who was in her 70s and they said right now we're not ready but eventually we're, we'll be ready to sell and it took about two months and then mm-hmm. we visited we got it under contract and and then and then we closed but so was it a good deal on, yeah it, it was worth about 550 and we closed it for 400 so to me wow. that's a good deal that is yeah so because i know when you can find properties off market usually you're able to avoid the fees avoid you know having it on market where a ton of people start bidding so i, mm-hmm. I always like to hear if you know, the deals that people get. And, and the thing is that when you're able to do it off market directly with, with an owner, usually the people have less of an idea of the property value of, of, yeah. an, of an, of a current accurate property. Yeah. Yeah. At, four, at 400, she was so happy to sell it at that, that price. 
Of course. Yeah. It's it, that's just usually how it is. Like people, they, uh, you know, if they take it on market, they, they, they act quickly see, you know, what's coming in. But, you know, if you do off market, you really just negotiate what everyone feels comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's less competitive I, and you have more time and, and all this. So we, we quite like that. There's some other ones that we found on off market. No, sorry. On market listed on the MLS. And then we just, pounced on it and we're finishing a project like that right now it's a, a reno on a four unit um really close to the metro here that we bought from we bought it was a, an estate sale and mm -hmm. uh, when the people have no descendant it goes to the government basically mm -hmm. and then we bought that one directly from the government it was the weirdest transaction <laughs> um but um, wow yeah and then we bought from i bought one from a wholesaler Mm -hmm. which we took in order to close it we actually had to structure it a bit differently because this one was a bigger project we bought he, right. um, he had the promise to purchase and we we actually closed together we incorporated we put that that property in a company and then essentially mm -hmm. after the closing i bought his shares so he got out that that's how they do it that's how they kind of have to get around it occasionally here if in mm -hmm. If they can't assign the contract, they'll do exactly what you said. They'll they'll buy it in the company and then sell the company at the end. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let me ask you about the bird dog. You said you got a deal from him. How did did he specifically go and find you what you're looking for? Did he just bring yeah. you something? Okay. You, so you told him to go find you something. Yeah. So actually, like it was it was during the pandemic, and he contacted me because we're both part of the Bigger Pockets community, and he was like, oh, I reach out to people and this and that. And we, we ended up having like a good half hour conversation. And I was like, look, if you find a good deal, like I'll buy it. And, uh, and literally like two weeks later, he's like, oh, I have a deal. Let's, let's go see it and stuff. And I went to go see it. And I was like, no, not interested. There's a five right, right. unit in, in, in a good area of town, like one block away from the metro, uh, from a metro station, which is really right. good. And, but the whole facade was stone facade, broken. Like, I just looked at it and I was like, I'm not touching this. And then I had a yeah. conversation with, with another investor who's like a lot more advanced. And he looked at me, he's like, Excel, like, if you think you're going to find easy deals, you might as well just stay home. And anyway, we had like a five minute conversation, but he basically kind of kicked my butt. And then I yeah. was like, that is a good deal. It's just that we had to redo the foundation, the facade and everything. And um, so, yeah, we did. We bought it. And and this this bird dog, he wanted to learn. So I told him, look, I'll buy it. I'll give you your fee. And then stay involved in the project. You can handle some of the uh, the, the property management. And mm -hmm. so we did the full cycle. So I, it basically took us a year. But we took I, he stuck with it from uh, wow. acquisition to refinancing. So he was so happy because he was younger. Oh, and it was yeah. like the amount of experience that he got, like it. It was, it was good. What does a fee like that look like? I'm just curious because, uh, you know, there's different fees that we make here in the States depending on the deal. In this case, I had negotiated to 1% okay. of, of, of acquisition the and then 1% of refi. So oh, okay. by, sti by sticking with it, it was worth it. Yeah. And that's uh, you, you showed him a lot. He learned a ton out of that. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Well, let me ask you, for people that are watching this or will watch this, if they want to get into real estate in Montreal and they're from the States, is that possible? Or do they have to Absolutely. live in? Okay. Uh, okay. So two things. It depends what they want to buy. Um, Canada, like a lot of other countries, has had tremendous um, property value growth fueled by foreign buyers. And mm -hmm. so since the beginning of the year, there's a memorandum on foreign buyers buying but they can they can't buy single family homes and i think duplexes something if you want to go into larger rent commercial and rental properties they they, they still could so yes some fellow americans could come and buy here okay. and uh 
depends what kind of asset class they're looking for. Got it. So it depends on the asset class. And is that mm-hmm. all throughout Canada or is there just specific territories where the province? All of Canada. Canada. All Canada. Okay. It's like all that. Canada. Because the, the worst was uh, Vancouver and Toronto. Yeah. Prices went up a lot. And, you know, it's it's foreigners buying and now the locals can't buy themselves a house. So Yeah. So my wife is, I don't know if I told you this, but my wife is actually from the Toronto area, Ontario. Oh, okay. And, uh, she yeah so we we want to buy a place in up north she's she grew up up north of toronto i don't know if you know okay. peterborough any of those areas yeah, but yeah yeah so she grew up over there and they're like hey you can't buy here so we're trying to have to figure out a single family because that's what we want we want to buy okay, like a single family but again you're you you're can't for two me. years so yeah. it, i totally get it and it obviously if we become residents right that i don't think she's currently a resident because she's lived here for a long time but she has citizenship obviously she's born there but i don't know but if how she exactly has Canadian it citizenship it's not a problem she doesn't need to be I, a resident i thought when i talked to someone about it i thought it had to do something with residency but uh if not then actually, you know i'll have to revisit it yeah actually you might be right I, now, just as I said it, I realize you might be, yes, having citizenship is definitely a requirement, being, of course. being a resident is as well. You're right. Yeah. So they, they're really uh, locking it in, which I, I totally get, you know, a lot of people, you know, that live there, if they can't afford a place, which it is extremely expensive there. I, I really don't know how a lot of people afford places in Toronto. I know outside of Toronto, it gets a little less expensive, but in Toronto, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so expensive. And Vancouver is even worse. Oh, man. Yeah, Vancouver is is. I love Vancouver. Though, have you? I'm assuming you've been there. It's, oh yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. It's just Amazing. it's impossible to, unless you come with like you know suitcases full of cash, which I don't recommend. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Well, um, it's it's not Axel, it's XL. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. XL. So tell. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what, what I've had a good time chatting with you. Can you tell me? Um, give any pointers, give anything you'd like to say left for the audience before we head out, anything you'd like to leave them with. Sure. Like for people who are listening to this and are interested in getting started, whether it's to wholesale, to do some buy and hold, uh, some burr and all this stuff, like one of the most important things that you need to start with is investing in yourself, learn and educate. And there's so many ways there's books, there's podcasts, there's masterminds, there's coaching programs and stuff like that. Do your research, be selective, pick one and then go the whole way. Because I've met so many people that say, Oh, I want to invest in real estate. And I want to do this. I'm like, Okay, go perfect. Go take a a five or $10,000 course. And like, Oh, I'm not gonna do that. It's like, but you want to go buy a half million dollar property? What the hell's wrong with you? It's crazy. And so just learn. First thing you do is educate yourself, invest in you, and then you can learn on how to do it and you'll be even more successful at it. Man, I really like that because you're right. I never thought of it that way. It's like, hey, you want to buy a million or half a million dollar house, but you won't invest 5000 or or $1,000 in your education. You know, that's a little crazy. It makes no it sense. It doesn't make sense. You know, no. you think you're just going to figure it out just – you you probably wouldn't want to just buy something and just try and figure it out because you, you you're on the hook. That's a that's an asset that if you don't know how to pay, don't know how to improve, mm-hmm. you know the value, you could be in trouble for sure. Yeah. So yeah. how can people find you if they've uh you know they watch this and they say, hey, I want to reach out to them uh, to ask sure. them, how, how do we reach they out? Can- to them? They can reach out. They can find me uh, on LinkedIn, um, my, my first name, last name on uh, on Instagram, and I'll provide it to you. So for the show notes. And also I host a podcast on real estate investing in Quebec called The Very Real Estate Effect. And I invite anyone interested in this market to uh, to come and listen to it. It's always fun. And if you have any questions, comments or anything, like feel free to reach out. I try to respond to absolutely everything I get. I love it. And I do have one last question that I would like to know. So I have a podcast. You started a podcast. What was your main goal with starting your pod- podcast as an investor? 
It was me- meeting people and sharing knowledge with people who are starting because listening to podcasts when I was starting had a huge impact on, on my knowledge and my confidence. And at the time, there was no podcast specialized about the Quebec real estate market. And so I wanted to start one. And my main goal is obviously to interview successful real estate investor and real estate professionals who are expert at their niche to give listeners the confidence that they can do it too. I like that. And I'm, I know I've been on your podcast and I know yeah. from what you sent out is true. Like that everybody can do this. You just need to, you know, educate yourself and take action, education, yeah. and action. That's what mm-hmm. it takes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I had a great time chatting with you. I, I, Me we'll, too, man. We'll be in touch. All right, brother. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Right. Pleasure. Yeah. You have a good one. Talk to you later. You too.